0: Welcome to the Good Chris Adelphian Talks podcast. This is Brother Brian. This week's talk is a class by Brother Johnny Minnell entitled The Past. The class is part of a timeline series which was given back in 2008 at the Swanwick, Swanwick Bible Weekend in the UK and this was actually sent in by recommendation and we'll also link to the rest of the classes in in the description if you wish to hear more from that weekend. So Brother Johnny takes us right into the heart of the complexities of how we deal with our sense of time slipping by, stuck with the pain of regret, guilt over former transgressions, missed opportunities, just all the things that we can't change from our past, but yet We still carry them with us, and we worry about the fact that they may have not just on our present, but on the future as well. So what is the spiritual principle we can learn from this sense of time that our Lord has instilled in us? Brother Johnny breaks down two seemingly contrasting examples, first in Paul, insisting that we forget what is behind and only press forward towards the mark. And then with Moses leading the children of Israel in the wilderness and insisting that they do look back to recall all that Yahweh had brought them through. The connection that he makes bridging those two in the middle is just pure magic. And if you're anything like me, and you struggle with carrying the past with you a bit too much, Brother Johnny's interpretation will give you the kind of peace and clarity that I believe our Lord wants us to have as we also travel this wilderness ourselves. So as always, we do hope this strengthens your faith and brightens your day. Brother Johnny Minnell, The Past.
2: Well, one thing is certain about the past. We all have some, some have more than others. Everybody wants more, because the alternative doesn't bear thinking about. And one of the marvels of the fact, as Tim has been talking about, that God has set us in the bounds of time, the pendulum and the rhythm of life that he talked about, and how God set the boundaries of our existence for the purpose that we might seek after God, means that God intends us practically to look at the time that we have, have before us and have behind us, And use it as profitably as we can. Now you might look at me and say, well how on earth can we use the time that's behind us profitably? Well, the the challenge of life and the fact that life does move on constantly. The fact that the clock is ticking. Some of you will be watching it more focusedly than others this morning. Means that we're constantly moving forward. And what that means is all of us have something behind of us. All of us have been through experiences. We have Minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades that we can look back and reflect on. And I imagine there are things in that big bag of stuff behind each and every one of us that actually perhaps we'd rather not was there. Because we haven't spent all of the opportunity and the time that Tim has been talking about that God gave to us always seeking after God, have we? And I'm pretty convinced there isn't a person in this room who doesn't have something in that big bag of the past that just has a little twinge of regret. It may be something very small. It may be just a word ill-spoken at an ill time. It may be just a moment of life squandered that with reflection shouldn't have been. It may be just something that simple and that's easy and that's fine. But but all I'm saying is every one of us has just something, some things in the past, whether they were brought about by our own willfulness or just the circumstances of life into which we came. Somewhere in the past, there are things that we don't find terribly useful. And yet, what I want to tell you in this session is not that you're going to leave here miserable, in case you've just got that impression in that opening sentence or two, but that God wants us to look back and reflect on the past and use it profitably. And I just want us to explore how we can do that. And to begin with, will you come with me to Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 3? Because Paul has a really interesting piece of advice for us about how to deal with the past. You see, sometimes when we, we reflect and we look back, the past can be a disability, to progress. We, we can look back and uh, it, it, it can weigh us down. It can fill our mind with unhelpful things. All kinds of restraints can be placed on the present and the future simply by the way in which we look back and we reflect on the past. And this is what the Apostle Paul had to say about that situation. Philippians chapter 3. You, you, you will be familiar with the words. Let's just pick them up in verse 13. Brethren, he says, I count not myself yet to have apprehended. He means I've not yet got hold of all the things that God has laid out for me. But he says this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to the things which are before. I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an absolutely categoric statement from the Apostle Paul? This one thing I do, literally in the Greek language in which Paul was using, it it, it means um, this thing above all else, the absolutely most important thing I can tell you. He says, in terms of making progress and moving forward, is to forget the things which are behind And added to that to press on and reach forward for the things that are in front of us and before us. Now isn't that a, I mean it's such a simple thing. And yet the Apostle Paul says that one of the ways of dealing profitably with the past is to forget it. This one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind I press on and reach forward for the things that have been laid before me in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonder? How simple sometimes, you know, we're told the the work of Christian living actually is. Just forget it. Now, one of the problems you may be mulling over in your mind is, is that too categoric for Paul to say that? This one thing. Is that the only way to deal with the past? This one thing, forget it. Is it too categoric? Are you just thinking that? There must be other ways of managing the past. You see, the problem is it's very difficult to forget, isn't it? You can't will to forget something very easily. In fact, the more you try and think about the thing that you want to forget, the more you probably end up thinking about it. You know, if I I ask you not to think about breakfast... For whatever reason, um, I'm not going to go into that, it's very difficult not to have an image in your mind of breakfast and remember all the things you thought about it and felt about it and how it tasted. And the more you think about forgetting it, the more well it lingers around in your mind. And it's difficult, isn't it, to just forget, just like that. Gone. Doesn't work that way, does it? So does what the Apostle Paul said need some qualification? And you will be saying to me, well, Johnny, there are passages in the Bible which seem to state the absolute opposite of what the Apostle Paul said. Isn't that right? Can I take you to perhaps what's for me the the finest example of a completely opposite statement? Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. You see, the Apostle Paul said, this is how to deal with the past, forget it. This one thing, this is the only way, says Paul, Is to forget it. Well, there's an entirely opposite statement here in the record of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. This is what God said through Moses to the men and women of Israel You will remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. To humble you and to prove you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. That's interesting, isn't it? Now God is saying through Moses, I want you to remember everything. All right. How opposite could you get? The Apostle Paul says, I want you to forget everything. Moses says, I want you to remember everything. Everything. And you've got to remember the context here in Deuteronomy. They're at the end of their 40 year journey through the wilderness. They're on the the fringe of a new life and a new land. And Moses says the best way, the best way now to make progress and to move forward is to remember all the way that you've been and all the journeys of the past. Isn't that fascinating? Well, it's confusing, isn't it? What do we do? How do we deal with the past? How do we reconcile these these two diametrically opposite ways of dealing with the past so that we might move forward into the future? And it seems to me that the circumstances and the context of the things in our past determine which solution we adopt in our particular circumstances. There are some things, says the Apostle Paul, which just need to be forgotten. And there are some things, says Moses, which absolutely must be remembered. And the challenge young people and brothers and sisters in your life is to determine in your bag of history which method to apply to which of your experiences. You see, your experience of God involves the past. That's all it can do in our lives. We're not like God, outside of time. We're not in the future. We're just right here in the moment and we've been right there in the past. So your only experience of God involves the past. And one of the great certainties of life is the past. That's one of the sad and difficult things about it, isn't it? Once it's gone, it's gone and it cannot be changed. It's irreparable. You can't go back and remove it or change it or relive it or Alter it slightly. It's gone. Now that has a double-edged sword. There are things that we'd love to go back and change and relive and alter and redo. And there are some things perhaps, and I hope there are, that we wouldn't change for the world. And they are our experiences of God. And why he allows us to go through time so that we can experience his guiding hand and his presence in our life. Just turn over the page, just down to verse 7, same chapter in Deuteronomy 8. You see, these men and women did know something of the future. Just have a look at this, because it was penned for them by Moses in these lovely words. Deuteronomy 8 verse 7, The Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of... oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein you will eat bread without scarceness, that you will not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you may dig brass. Isn't that an extraordinary thing for, for Moses to say? This is where you're going. That was their experience of the future. It was in the promises that had been passed down to them, and the fact that they could hear Moses saying, this is where you're going, this is where you're going to arrive. That was their only experience of the, of the future. Something that had been passed down to them, promised to them, spoken to them before. But the problem was the bit in between. Where they were today and where they were going to arrive. And that's the problem for every one of us, isn't it? We, have, we, have, we know something of the future. We know something of where we're going. Tim's been talking about it. God has built into us this ability to, to sense and appreciate that there is something great That there is an extraordinary future that lies beyond our present experience. And we know something of that. That's what the word of God is all about. Passing on down that same promise that Moses passed to these men and women. The challenge is the unknown territory that lies in between. Isn't it? What will lie for you and me between today and the other side of the river Jordan? What challenges and experiences will lie between where we are today and when we finally arrive, when the Lord Jesus Christ is here. And your best key to be able to navigate the unknown territory that lies between here and the future is your experience of the past. And that's what Moses is asking these men and women to think about. There is an unknown way before you. How will you get on? Well, will measure the unknown way before you by the last 40 years of trackless desert. And the God who led once. Well he'll lead again. Just come with me to Joshua chapter 3. When they began that journey. Into the unknown. Across the river Jordan. And onwards. Towards the promised land. Joshua chapter 3 and. And verse 4, Joshua was giving them the instructions as to how they would cross the river. And they were to send the ark of God in front of them, before them. And he says in verse, verse 4, There shall be a space between you and the ark, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Isn't that lovely? Joshua says, I want you to know that God is going to go before you. Leave a space as you cross the river between you and the ark, because you've not been this way before. This is uncharted territory. You don't know the way. And God is going to go before you. Isn't that lovely? He'd been before them for the last 40 years, in fact. They only ever moved, if you remember, when God demonstrated by the movement of the cloud Day or night that they were ready to go and God had been before them and and, and sought out a place for them to camp. And now as they entered this uncharted territory of the promised land, it was going to be no different. The ark was to go before them and they were to follow God. You've not been this way before. It's unknown. And just leave a space between you and the ark so that God can show you the way. There was a journey between now and the future and it was a mystery. And God was going to go before them and lead them. There is often a fascination with the unknown, isn't there? Especially when, you know, we're young. I say we, I mean it. I still have it. A fascination with the, with the unknown. However, it's normally mixed with a sense of doubt. And I suppose when you're young, it adds that little extra injection of adrenaline, of, of just doubt as to whether we're up to the task That's the thing, isn't it? It's it's kind of exciting and yet at the same time what's in our minds is, can I do it? Can I achieve it? Will I be strong enough, big enough, able enough to do it? Whether it is that you're you're preparing for an exam or you're going in for the job interview or whatever it might be and there's that sense of fear and excitement all mixed in together about the, the unknown things of the future. Am I ready for it? Will I be able to do it? And for a wise man or woman, there is value in both the fascination and in the fear and in the ability to know that God will go before us every way. Notice what Joshua says now, verse 5. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Isn't that lovely? What Joshua is saying is, today is yours, tomorrow is the Lord's. The mystery of tomorrow belongs to God, and he will do wonders before you. So prepare yourselves. Do you know, sanctified common sense tells us that if we are going to achieve something, to do a task, to complete a job, then if we can, we ought to be ready and prepared to do it. You don't just wander into an exam and sit down and think that the answers will just somehow magically, automatically come. Common sense says that if you're going to go in and do it, then you're going to be prepa- as prepared as you can be. If you're going to go in for the job interview, then, then well, unless you're very self-confident, you know, this, this attitude that, well, I'll just, just whatever, whatever will be. Sanctified common sense says that if I can be ready and up to the task, then I'll be as prepared as I can be. And Joshua says... Sanctify yourselves. Get ready to see what God can do for you. And that's why we're here, isn't it? Because tomorrow is a mystery and it belongs to God. And he will do wonders for us. Today is yours. And your experience of the past is what will help you navigate the terrain in between. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. What lies between us and the kingdom? What are the certainties that we can take with us into that unknown way? Well, Moses says, remember all the way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years. Past deliverance predicates future deliverance. Let me give you an example. There is a river to cross. It's wide. It's in full flow. How shall we get over it? Well, measure the Jordan by the waters of the Red Sea. And the God who parted them once, well, he'll part them again. There is an unknown land before us. It's a wilderness. How will we know the way? And the God who led once will lead again. There is a new country. What is it like? What will we eat? The manna is going to stop. We'll measure the coming hunger by the past water from the rock and the past manna which rained down from heaven and the God who fed once will feed again. Isn't that the lovely thing about the past when you look back and reflect and remember all the way that the Lord your God has led you however far and however long in your life and in your experience and now you can look back and remember it and carry it with you and never forget it you see, that's why the Apostle Paul's statement needed qualification. Never forget those things. Don't let it be said that John and Manel stood here this morning and told you to forget everything about the past. Never let anyone rob you of the certainties of God's guiding care and hand in the days that have gone before, so that you may carry it with you into the future, confident that God, who did it once, will do it again. Will you come with me to Psalm 42. Because there is a lovely example of this in in, in David's life. David experienced this very problem. And the problem came when his faith was assaulted and challenged by those who were his enemies. Verse 3 of Psalm 42. My tears have been my meat day and night. They continually say to me, where is your God? That's what they came to David and said. In your current experience, David, where is he? Where is he now? What good is he to you now? That's what they were saying to David. And David was challenged by that, as well you might be, when you find yourselves in those circumstances where more than anything you need to look back to the past and remember all the way that God has led you. And David found himself in circumstances and situations where all of a sudden there were doubts in his mind. Where is now your God? Where is he? What good is he now? Is he there? And will he help you? And even if he could, he won't. And David was, was assaulted by this question. And that's what happens to you and me. It's not necessarily somebody who comes to you and says, where is your God? It's the question that arises in your own mind. When you're in the flurry of, of darkness and, and you, you're not sure quite what's going on and what you're going to do. And the question is, where is now my God? And that was, that was David's problem. Where is he now? And what did David do? Verse 6. O my God, he said, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar? Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your water. All your waves and your billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. Isn't that a lovely thing for David to say? And what David did was he went and sat down in his room and he, he just had a, a talk with himself. And he just went through it all again. Just, you know, talking to himself. Sometimes an audience of one is the best audience. Don't take that the wrong way. But you know what I mean? And David said, I'm being assaulted by this question. Where is my God? And he went and had an audience of one. And he went and sat down and went through it all. My God, my soul is cast down within me. I will remember thee. I remember now. Yes, that's right. If I just stop for a moment, I remember when you were there with me at Jordan. I remember when you were there with me from the Mount Hermon and from the hill Mizar. Do you know, brothers and sisters and young people, this is a lovely prophecy in fact of the Lord Jesus Christ these three things that David looks back and remember the Jordan the Hermon Mount Hermon and the hill Mizar although they were very pertinent to David they were also very pertinent to the Lord Jesus Christ I think you may challenge me if I'm wrong but the Jordan what would the Lord Jesus remember about the Jordan it was his baptism wasn't it when he committed his life to God what would he remember about Mount Hermon The transfiguration, maybe? And what about the hill, Mizar? Mizar means the little hill. It's Calvary. It's the place where they took him outside the city to be crucified. And you can imagine when the Lord Jesus had all these things running through his mind. Where is now your God? Oh, I will remember. I will look back and remember the voice I heard when I came out of the waters of baptism. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I will remember the voice that I heard at Mount Hermon at the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. or oh, I will remember. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. Do you know, says it's only God who can give us a song to sing in the night when you you can't sleep and you're lying awake and the issues of life are just going around and around in your mind, I tell you the only person who can give you a song to sing is God. Oh, I will remember. I will look back and remember all the way that the Lord my God has led me. Just come down to the end of this lovely psalm, verse 11. Why now are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Isn't that lovely? That's the result of remembering all the way which the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that a beacon of hope and and of confidence that we can carry forward with us into the unknown land? All of our experience of God in the past. What a way to use the past and to make it profitable, eh? Remember the way. Remember all the way. Will you come back with me to Philippians 3? Because having gone through all of that, we we just need to understand finally what on earth the Apostle Paul meant then when he said, This one thing, forget the past. What did the Apostle Paul mean? Let's just read it again in Philippians 3. Verse 13, brethren, I count myself not yet to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are before, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So you see, the motion of direction is the same for both Moses and the Apostle Paul. Both of them are moving forwards. Moses says, when you go forward into the unknown land, as you make your journey in life, then remember all the things that God has done for you. And the Apostle Paul's on the same journey. He says, I'm reaching forward. I'm pressing forward for the things that I know are coming in the future. And one of the ways I, I make progress is to forget the past. Well, just finally, before we finish, I want to give you three reasons why we need to forget the past. Three situations, three circumstances that you may need to use when applying the apostle paul's advice to forget the past and the first one is this and it's regret over what cannot be changed that's why you need to forget the past there are some things that can never be erased from our memory but if we're not careful they can become the agony of our life and the apostle paul would not have us in that situation And he gives us his own experience. Just look back at verse 5 of this same chapter. You want to know what's in my past, says the Apostle Paul? Well, listen to this. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. You want to know what it means to forget the past, says the Apostle Paul? I'll tell you what it means to look back and have things I'm not proud of and to have things I regret. You want to know about my past? I persecuted the church. I put faithful men and women to death and I took pride in it. And you know how I deal with that, says the Apostle Paul? I forget it. I put all those things behind me and I stretch forward and reach forward for the prize of the high calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonder? And if you were just sitting there thinking that that's not possible to do, you just listen to the categoric statement of a man like the Apostle Paul, I reach forward and I press on. You see, we cannot will to forget. We've said that already. You cannot just magically somehow erase it from your memory But to think of it and go over it in your mind mournfully and woefully, well, is just not helpful. I'm not suggesting we should make light of sin and things that we regret, but to brood over it is even worse. And all you're doing is the very thing which God permits you to do. I forget those things which are behind and I leave them behind. They're unhelpful to my progress and to my journey. And God has allowed me to move on. And to press on. And you know the wonder of God, young people and brothers and sisters is, you know, I, I kind of grew up thinking that, you know, the past to God was something like this. Well, we'd better just say no more about it. You know, it's a sad thing. But there we are. What's done is done. Let's just move on. It's not like that with God. He casts all those things behind his back and and erases them. And he permits us to do that, brethren, sisters and young people, for things that will hinder our progress. The past is irreparable and it cannot be changed. And God can stand between you and your past and allow you to move on. He stands in the way through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and can heal the worst diseases of the soul, any malady of the mind and any wounds of history. So that's the first thing. One great reason to forget the past. Regret over what cannot be changed. The second reason is this. If you don't forget the past, it may get in front of you. Let me qualify what I mean. Are there things that you thought you'd left behind? Bridges that you'd burned for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ? Things that you were happy to lose? In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul says in this very chapter, isn't it? Verse I, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. There was a time in the Apostle Paul's life when he was happy to lose everything that previously he'd thought was great for the sake of gaining Christ. Are there things that you once left behind? Bridges that you burned? Things that you were happy to lose, that somehow in between have been secretly rebuilt and reinstated. You see, it happens, doesn't it? What You may go away today, you may go away tomorrow, back home, thinking, do you know what, there are some things in my life that need to be laid aside. There are some bridges in my life that need to be burned. The challenge is how well you burn them. And whether just over time, they just don't start getting rebuilt. And you see, if we don't forget them totally, fully, then we may find that before long, they're back in front of us again. And the Apostle Paul says, I forget those things which are behind. I forget those bridges that I once had. You want to know about burning bridges, said the Apostle Paul? You should have seen the people I used to hang out with. The friends I had, the places I used to go, the shoulders I used to rub. And I forget those things which are behind, totally. Not half-heartedly, completely. And I press on. And I reach forward for the things that God has promised. Last one, because time's nearly gone. And this is perhaps for the older ones. And the younger people can just earwig if you wish. It will only take me a moment One reason to forget the past, brothers and sisters, is looking back to the good old days. And even if the young people are earwigging, you will know what I mean, because you will have heard it many times. The good old days, when there were no marriage problems, we didn't have to talk about sex and drug abuse. There was only one interpretation of the apocalypse, you know, the good old days. And I suspect, brothers and sisters, what we find is, and I I know in my own life, that when we look back at the past, sometimes it's with a slightly rosy colour that isn't quite true. And although there were good things, there were some good times in the good old days, there were some bad things too. Let's not have a selective memory And when I say, you know, I'm not asking you not to remember the good old days. I'm just saying, don't let your memory of them impede your progress in the present and into the future. You see, I'm an optimist. You may not agree. I like to think of myself as an optimist. And real goodness is born out of adversity. And so, if you think that these are not the good old days anymore... Then let's press on and realise that the soldier is proved not in college, but on the battlefield. Remember them if you wish, but never let your remembrance spoil the present and the future. It's a bit like trying to go up an escalator the wrong way, isn't it? Trying to go back into the past. You know, I I remember doing that with my mother when she used to take me shopping. I don't know how she coped, actually. And if ever I saw an escalator, wherever we were, I just had an impulsion, compulsion, some kind of pulsion, to um, to attempt to traverse it the wrong direction because it would seem like the greatest feat of human history if I could get to the bottom or the top while it was determined to make me go the other way. And the past is a little like that. Let's move on, brothers and sisters and young people, remembering all the way that the Lord our God has led us and forget those things which are behind, the things which impede our progress and make us halt and falter and fail in our journey onwards and forwards to the future. And so in conclusion then, as you face tomorrow, let no one take away from you the certainties of yesterday. When they say to you, where is now your God? Sit down, have an audience of one and go through the past and remember Jordan and Herman. And Mizar, remember the waters of the Red Sea. Remember the manna raining down from heaven. And that's why God allows us to experience the past and to remember it. So that we can look back and remember all the way that the Lord our God has led us. And for those of you who don't feel you have much of that experience in your history, start building it. Because it happens right now, today. Just in five minutes time, what I've said will be in the past. That's how quickly it gets built And it's never too late to start. They will try and confuse you about the problems of next year. You know, the world we live in is a scary place and there's all kinds of things going on. And they will try to baffle you. People will try to baffle you with the, the uncertainties and the complexities of what lays around the corner, you know, in the next year. And that may be, allow them to do that, but never let them take away from you your certainties of the past. And remember how you sang a song on the safe side of the Red Sea. Never doubt your own experience of God. And remember when you came to Elim and the water was sweet. Do you remember that in the journey of Israel? They arrived in the wilderness and there was nothing but bitter water. And they had nothing to drink. And what they discovered was the next day as they went around the corner, they came to the biggest, largest supply of sweet water they'd ever known. And I know there are some people in this room today who came to the waters of bitterness And it nearly broke them. And yet around the corner were the waters of Elim. And never let God take away your remembrance of the past. And finally, the great challenge that you and I carry with us today, the challenge of the present is to make sure you don't regret it when it does become the past. If you can measure every day by that little standard to make sure that tomorrow, when it is the past, it's not something we regret, let that temper your present so that you can carry it forward into the future. So our takeaway from this session is there are some things you absolutely must forget, but there are lots and lots of things that we absolutely must remember. Let us apply them in the right measure and in the right circumstances to the situations of our life.
1: Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks Podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review in Apple Podcast or whichever service you are using to help more people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our show page at GCT or check the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages, where we are at good Christadelphian talks on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too. Send a suggestion to our email at good at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.